All right. How we doing? Good? Good. Uh, man, welcome to Metro. Um, before we dive in, uh, let me kind of introduce myself. My name is Chris. I'm the generation pastor. Uh, love, love, love that. And so I got one fan. Thank you. Uh, but uh, for me, uh, man, I just want to say I love this church. Um, I really do. Um, being uh, with all the students and stuff, this past uh, season, we had our huge Halloween parties. Um, and what we did is we took our Riverview building and we tore it apart and put it back together again. Then we tore it apart again and barely put it back and functioned for church and then tore it apart again um, and made a huge mess. And look, if you served, if you gave your time, look, there were over eight hundred young people that came through that weekend. How awesome is that? Um, and so thank you. Thank you for being a church that, man, loves the next generation. And so with that, um, what's happening as well as we have our winter retreat coming up. And so uh, if you are young, uh, meaning basically middle school, high school, um, it's for you. Uh, maybe if you want to help, uh, we would love to have your help. And so uh, just go outside, go to the Welcome Center. We have kiosks for our winter retreat. We'd love, love, love to have you involved or for you to sign up. Make sense? All right, so um, here's the thing. We're wrapping up this series called Vintage Jesus. Um, the reason why is Jeremy basically was like, Chris, you can talk on whatever you want to talk about. Um, and in my young wisdom, I thought what's best is let's talk about Jesus. Makes sense, right? And so, uh, but this series has been great. Um, again, if you've missed it, you can go to metrocitychurch.tv and man, listen to it. Man, you're going to learn so much about who Jesus is. And that's our heartbeat as a church. And so today, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up. And so here's what I promise is number one, it's going to be intense. Number two, it is going to get a little bit weird. Okay, but number three, I promise we'll laugh through the awkwardness and we'll end up celebrating all Jesus did. Make sense? So let's pray um, before we get weird, all right? So bow your heads. Um, God, thank you for uh, bringing us here. God, we're in your house today. God, we're in your place today. And so God, we ask that you be God in this moment. God, be God and speak to us. And Jesus, Become real to us. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, to kind of get things started, here's what I want to do. Is I want everyone to close their eyes one more time. Okay, and I know, I know that's weird. Trust, nothing's going to pop out. Halloween season's over. But uh, if you have to close your eyes, just close your eyes. Play with me a little bit. Um, um, close your eyes. And now here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to get an image, okay? So a physical picture in your head of Jesus. Okay? So you guys got your image? Now here's what's fascinating. Open up your eyes. Now here's what's fascinating. Is it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. Here's what I know is that all of us just got a picture of what we believe Jesus looks like. Isn't that fascinating? All of us. We all did. And here's what I want you to know is with that picture, whatever you pictured, Here's the big idea that I want to dance around all night long, is what you perceive, okay? What you perceive about Jesus or about anything, what you perceive will ultimately determine what you believe. Does that make sense? So in everything and anything, whatever your perception is of it 
will determine your beliefs about it. For example, for example, come into my life. Is there in my life and in my world, I believe that there are certain things that guys should and should not do. Right, men? Yes, like men, we, we have these imaginary lines, okay, and they're different for everyone, but there's certain lines where like, okay, if you're a dude, don't cross that, right? Like one would be, um, don't walk into a girl's bathroom, that would be a good thing, you know? Um, although, if you're in our Riverview building, they put the girls' and guys' bathrooms on the wrong side. I, I go left, and that's the girls' bathroom. So, I don't know if you have that problem, I do. Um, but, here's the thing, is that the other thing that men doesn't do, for me at least, is get Manny petties. It's just something, okay, and I don't know if you're a dude in here and you're like, I love them. Look, I do too now, okay? Straight up. But, but here's the thing. It didn't start off that way. Um, for example, uh, 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 about a year ago, we took our generation staff on a retreat, and the idea here was let's connect, let's get to know each other, let's build relationships so that we'll be more effective together, Okay, and so what happened is we took off and um, we went over to Ann Arbor. And one of the things I did is before we left was I got with all of them. And I went to the guys. And I was like, guys, if you could do anything to connect with your team, what would it be? Okay, and guys, we did the clearly guy things. It was like, let's go see a movie. And I'm like, okay, stupid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not working, right? But anyway, long story short, what happened is they decided on, hey, Chris, let's connect as a team through disc golf. Now, I love disc golf. I'm like, sold, yes, amen, okay? But I wanted to be equal, and so I went over to the women, okay, the women of our generation staff, and I was like, hey, what would you want to do with us, to connect. Like, if you could do anything as a team, what would you want? And believe it or not, what she said was, I would want to get Manny Petties with you guys. And I'm like, oh, what? You know? Um, now, now, I had options. As a good leader, I listened to them. And so what we did was we planned a whole retreat around disc golfing and Manny Petties. Okay? And so, so what happened is we go to this hotel, and like we're, we're in, uh, getting vision. We're planning out the next season and year of our generation ministry. And then we go to sleep. We wake up, and the next day is play day. Right, it's where you connect, and so we start off the day um, disc golfing. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, I agreed to the Manny Petty thing, but I'm gonna disc golf so long they'll all be closed. You know, you know what I mean? Um, because I'm a dude, okay? And guy, like, this is just not a, something a guy should do. Um, but so what happened? We, we like are playing disc golf and I'm like dragging, you know, I mean dragging and dra I'm like, we're throwing discs in the woods. You know, we're like, I don't know, we got to go find it. Um, but long story short, we ended up being done with it. And then it was Manny Petty time. And so we walk into this place, and it's like the classic place, okay? And women, you guys know this. It's made to, um, like, make you feel like a million bucks, but for a dude, it freaks us out. You know what I mean? Um, so we show up here, and it's the weirdest experience in your life. So men, um, if you've never done it, what happens is you show up, and I show up, and you're just like, oh, this isn't for me. But what happens is I begrudgingly say I'm going to be a team player, right? Because that's what good leaders do. And so I go sit down in the little chair. And then what happens, right, ladies, is they fill up this bucket of hot water, create like a hot tub, and put your feet in it. And that's when I started to realize, man, pedicures are pretty awesome. You know what I mean? Um, and now, now, there's weird parts to it. So what happens is they're like, all right, you want a Coke or a water? And I'm like, a Coke. And they give me a Diet Coke, which I don't know why, but apparently they, they gave me a Diet one. So we're sitting there, and I'm drinking my Coke, Diet Coke. Um, and I got my feet in the water, and I'm like, man, this is awesome. 
I feel weird, but this is awesome. Um, and then this lady comes and she gets down on her knees. She grabs your feet, um, and then here she gets these like scissor things, and you're like, oh, what are you going to do with them? Um, and she grabs my foot, and she's just like, okay, relax. I'm like, okay, and then she just starts cutting my toes off, literally, and so I about kick her. Um, she, she's like, whoa, whoa, keep it down. Then she gets this sandpaper-looking thing that looks like a sponge, and she just starts grinding on my feet, and she's like, oh, you have such beautiful feet, and I'm like, yeah, what are you doing, weirdo? But then there was this crossover moment. So up to this point, I'm like, a little bit of pain, a little bit of pleasure, kind of weird, but then the glory of God showed to me where she started getting this lotion out, and she started rubbing my feet, and then and then she did, she went up my calf a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if this was weird to you guys, but I'm like, but all of a sudden I'm like going, oh Lord, and I, I'm giving her both feet at this point. You know, I'm like, take it all. You know, at this point I'm a believer, really, literally. Like, but don't miss this. Is that my whole life? And I don't know if I'll ever do this again. But I, I'm convinced now, men, every dude needs to experience a pedicure. Okay, I'll be public with that, okay? But the point is, is that what we perceive determines what we believe, right? And my perception of a pedicure was always one direction, and I've missed out on my entire life. And don't miss this, I fear the same thing happens when it comes to Jesus. We don't miss this. We live in an unbelievably cynical world, do we not? Like when it comes to Jesus, it's not that the world's not spiritual, Right, if you want to talk to people about God, they'll listen. If you don't want to even pray to God, they would be willing to bow their heads. But the minute you bring up Jesus, Jesus is taboo. Jesus brings a weight or a sensation or a feeling with it. And I'm here to argue, could it be the reason Jesus, the name of Jesus, brings an emotion to the table is because could it be he's not dead? Could it be that he's alive? Could it be that there's power in the name of Jesus? Could it be? Could it be? And that's where to me, look at your perception will determine, will be determined ultimately what you believe. And this is where my story comes into it. Because again, I grew up as a church kid. And see, one of the things that happens is that we believe that the people on this stage, like maybe you're brand new to church or, or maybe you don't really know many people in the church, but we start to believe the people on this stage, they live the perfect life and have perfect lives, right? So you believe that at 15 years old, I got the call from God. Right, where there was this moment I was alone in my room and all of a sudden I heard the voice, Christopher. This is God. Oh, cool. You know, and I looked up and I saw the heavens part and God was like, be a preacher. And I was like, yes, Jesus. And then I went to Bible college. I grew up with the perfect family. I got the perfect wife. Now I live the perfect life. Problem is, that's not me. It just isn't. In fact, my parents did it right. They took me to church. But I became de-churched as a teenager right, where you just drop out. And all of a sudden, I started to pursue happiness. I started to pursue pleasure. I started to pursue women. I started to pursue financial gain. I started to pursue these things. And all of a sudden, at 19 years old, I was more lost than everything. And in 2002, 
I came into a real relationship, not with God, but accepted Jesus into my life. And at that moment, listen to me, I can't fully explain it, but something happened where I felt like the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders. I felt like, oh my gosh, this is what living looks like right now. In a moment, I was like, man, there's no more guilt. There's no more shame. There's no more trying to achieve to be good enough. All of a sudden, in a moment, I found peace and joy in this life. And in a moment, I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything the world is looking for. And think about it, I was one step removed from the party life, and think about this. So when I met Christ, man, I had names in my head. I had faces. There were people going, man, they need Jesus. The problem, they don't know to look to him because their perception of Jesus is skewed, right? And that's why the world, I really believe, interacts and acts the way they do about Jesus because what you perceive ultimately determines what you believe. And so here's what I want to do for the rest of our time. I just want to give us one last snapshot of who Jesus is. Does that make sense? Like all I want to do is I want to open up our Bibles and I just want us to get one more snapshot of who Jesus is to wrap this series up. Does that make sense? And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to do a Bible study, okay? And so um, if you have your Bibles, pull them out. If you have phones, um, maybe something electronically, open those up. I would love for you to follow along. And what we're going to do, we're going to go to this book of the Bible, the very last book called Revelation. Now, again, that's where if, if you grew up in church, you're like, oh, no, I don't want that book, right? That book's scary, okay? Um, and, and it's confusing. But really, it's not that confusing. It is scary. We're going to get to some of that. But understand it's not that confusing. See, what happens is you'll sit down and be like, I'm going to read the whole thing. And you got the beasts and, and all these weird things happen. You're like, this is weird, right? Um, but I understand it's not a novel. The book of Revelation, if I could just explain it in one moment, it would just be this. That's a series of snapshots about things that have happened or things that are to come. Does that make sense? So you open up in the very beginning and boom, you get a snapshot of churches Right? And God's saying, look, you shouldn't do these things. So you get this snapshot of churches. Then all of a sudden after that, you get the snapshot of heaven. It's really, really cool, really trippy, depending on how you read that. Um, but then you get the snapshot of the end times. And then in uh, Revelation chapter 19, we get to this moment where we get a snapshot of who Jesus is. And so if you're taking notes, there's three things, three things that I believe this snapshot depicts about Jesus. And so if you're writing notes, first thing you'd want to write down is this, is Jesus is a fighter. Jesus is a fighter. Now, now, I love that because when I had everyone close their eyes, here's what I know, is that you didn't close your eyes and picture Jesus as Floyd Mayweather, right? Like, you, you didn't do that. Like, you didn't, you didn't close your eyes. You're like, bing, long-haired Mike Tyson. You know, yeah, you, you didn't do that. What I, what I believe is you probably picture Jesus as long, blonde, flowy hair, right? You probably picture Jesus as this kid, guy that went around hugging kids and feeding the multitudes and probably carried a man bag and drove a Prius and was way more feminine than manly, okay? But understand, that's not who Jesus is. If you crack open your Bible, man, Jesus is a fighter. He really is. And that's where we're going to just jump into this. And again, um, this is just a snapshot 
of who Jesus is. In Revelation 19, verse 11, it says this. I saw, now time out. This was a book written by a guy named John. John was exiled to an island called Patmos. And in the moment, and how he wrote the book, is he would see glimpses and visions into heaven. And right here, you have John seeing something, okay? And the first thing he says, he got, I saw heaven standing open. Now, time out. Because what John first shows us is that heaven is an open door to you and to me. That's huge. Because again, I don't know what your church past is. I don't know what your predispositions of church and Jesus and Christianity is. But what I do know is that we are just as cynical about heaven as we are about Jesus. Right? Like we go, well, heaven's not for me. Or I don't know if I've been a good enough person. Or heck, I don't even know if it exists. And look, no matter where you're at on that map, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you will do. Listen to me. The gospel message, why you're here, is to hear this message, that because of Jesus, heaven is open to you. He's open. And then, look at this. Here's why. Because he's a fighter. And it says this, I saw heaven open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. So he's getting a snapshot of a guy on a horse. That's Jesus. And it says this, with justice, he judges and wages, say that word with me, war. With justice, he judges and wages war. And so who is Jesus? What is he doing? What's Jesus up to now? Is he just sitting up at the right hand of God and he's like, dumb, dumb today, let's play some blackjack, you know? Like, is that what he's doing? No. What he's doing is he's judging and making war. He is fighting. He's fighting. And the million dollar question is, who is he fighting? And again, this is where our perception determines our beliefs because what most of us believe is we think Jesus is fighting against us. We think Jesus is out to get us. Well, understand, if you open up your Bible, the exact opposite is happening. Jesus isn't fighting against you. Listen to me, he's fighting for you. He's fighting for you. And that's why the two things that explain Jesus' is character is faithful and true. Faithful and true, faithful and true, faithful and true. And why is that? Because two things come of this. Is letter A is this, is that his warnings are true. One of the ways Jesus comes towards us and pursues us is through warnings. And the warnings are true. And again, this is where we got to put on our big boy pants because, again, this isn't the fun part of Revelation. But understand, think about all the different things we're afraid of in this book. You got hell, you got the lake of fire, the gnashing of teeth, but don't miss it. Beyond any of that stuff, the scariest part of all of Revelation is who Jesus is if he's not your savior. We're understanding, just come into this. We'll read this. Skip down a few, a few verses. It says this, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his armies. Do you see the picture? 
This is Jesus on the horse, and you have everyone waging war against Jesus. And look at this. At the end of time, right, when it all comes down, it says this. They were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed in the sword coming out of his mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Now that's jacked up. See, that's the part of the Bible where like, I don't want that to be in there. I don't either. And you're like, you can't say that. You're the pastor. No, I can because I know what it means. What it means is that, listen to me, if you miss the idea that Jesus is fighting for you, there will be a day he fights against you. There will be a day where there is the lake of fire. There is the torment. There is the gnashing of teeth. So much so that when you're in this place called hell, Look at me, there's going to be an eternity of suffering. What that means is that on day one, you're going to scream. On day five, you're going to keep screaming. On day 100 or day 10,000, there's going to be this point where you've screamed so loud and shouted in so much agony that after 10,000 years, you're going to go, has to end. And it's going to go, it's just the beginning because it's an eternity. And look, we don't have to like that. But the warnings are true that there's coming a day where you will die and you'll meet Jesus. But don't miss this. Here's the promise is that if you're still breathing, today's not that day. It's not today. The warnings are to prevent you and to move you into the second thing that Jesus remains faithful. And this is awesome because if it's just the warnings are true, we're screwed, okay? But look, if he remains faithful, you know what that means? It means even when you push Jesus out of your life, and when you say, I don't want nothing to do with God, look at, even after people beat him, crucified him, ripped his beard off, listen to me, what this means is that Jesus still loves you, he still pursues you, and look, there is nothing, don't miss this, nothing you can do to get Jesus to stop loving you. We gotta celebrate that, come on. We got to. And that's huge, man. He's a fighter. He's fighting for you. He's fighting. Second thing is this, is Jesus is passionate. Now, it might shock you that I can relate to this, right? Like, I am what they call a little bit of a passionate guy, right? Can, can you tell? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, yes, right? But there are times my passion gets me in trouble. You know what I mean? We're like, I love that I'm passionate, but there are some times, like in the sense of winning, you know what I mean? It's like sometimes I will just blank see red and I'm like, I have got to win. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anyone like that in this room? Yeah, for me, I, I get that way. And where it comes out of me is in the worst times. Like I said, I'm generation pastor. Um, what I hang out with middle school, high school, college kids, super, super fun. Um, but there are certain moments where I see red and I'm like, look, I am going to crush you. Um, now, 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 don't, don't miss this. I'm a good pastor. I promise I love your kids. But there are times I've, I wrestle them, okay? Um, and also, I remember when I jumped into this thing a couple years ago, taking on middle school and high school. So for eight years, I did college and then jumped into middle school and high school ring. And so, you know, we went off on this thing called the Detroit Mission Trip. Now, I love the Detroit Mission Trip. Super, super fun time. But my first year, 
I did not realize that I was going to be the butt of every prank. Okay, does that make sense? Like, I didn't realize that. And so what happened was, uh, you know, day one happened, and um, literally I'm laying there on my blow-up mattress, minding my own business, connecting with the kids, right? Because that's what a good pastor does. So I'm, you know, it's nighttime. I'm like, <laughs> you know, poking them, you know, different things. And then there's, a, I'm an old man, so I'm like, all right, let's go to bed. It's like 10, okay? <laughs> and so anyway, what happened? I fall asleep, and then them little suckers come up <laughs> and undo the little hole and I'll, and so midnight, like literally in the middle of the night, I'm, I'm like passed out on the floor on this rock hard floor. And I'm like, okay, play it cool. I got this. You know, and so I, I'm like, you know, the next year they're like, ha ha, did you know what we got? We got you, we got you. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, you know, I'm acting like it's no big deal. It's one thing after another. And then day two, I'm like, learn my lesson. I sleep in a bathroom floor, literally, true story. I, like a one-person bathroom. I just, I just lock the door, cuddle myself up next to a toilet. You know, I'm just holding it. Um, and, and then there's this thought in the middle of that night as, you know, you hear them walking by. They're like, where's Pastor P? Where's Pastor We're going to kill him. You know, and I'm like, guys, what the hell? These kids are vicious. Um, and then it dawned on me, I'm bigger than them. It dawned on me, I'm going to crush them instead of them crush me. You know what? You know what? And there was this, this moment where I saw red and I was like, I am going to win this war. That's just true. And so what happened was, this is an absolute true story. <laughs> is uh, the next night, one of the last nights is I decided, I was like, all right, I'm going to go lay in the middle of the gym and be like, come get me. Does that make sense? Um, and so what happened, I laid in front of the gym. I also created an alliance with the middle schoolers. And our alliance was, look, we're going to act like you're on the high schoolers team. And then we're going to say a code word. And when I say the code word, you switch and we're going to waylay the high schoolers. It was a brilliant plan. It was awesome. So here I am laying there in the middle of the gym, surrounded by all the middle schoolers. Like it's like, um, seriously, like an army here. Um, and I'm just laying there and one kid kind of sneaks in with some water and we're like, hoo, 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 you know, and, and he's pouring water on us. I just take it. You know, I'm like, bring it. And so all of a sudden here comes like two, three, four, they all, all the high scorers at once just kind of wham, come attack me. And at this point, all the middle schoolers then attack me. And so it's like pile on Chris, you know? And so I'm like wrestling and going. And then I said the code word, which was, ow, my nose ring, you know? Um, and so I was, I screamed that and look, it was awesome. The middle schoolers flipped. The college kids flipped sides. And at that point, I saw red and I was like, kill the kids. And so I, I chased after them. And there was this moment where like, we're literally, they went and hid in their bathroom. We're ripping them out. Ri I mean, ripping them out. And there's this point where I have one kid under me. He's on my, I have his underwear. <laughs> you know, I, there's, I ripped up. They're ripped and I'm ripping them. They're over his head, you know? And there's this thought in the middle of that. I'm like, the kid's 14. <laughs> you know, I, and there's this moment. I'm like, I have 14. I'm, I'm beating, you know? And there's this moment. I'm going, why did I do that? You know, and it's because there's this moment where you're going, you use this such a passion, you have to win. Don't miss this. The same with Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus saw red, meaning he saw sin. And he goes, look, I will win. I'll win. And it was a passion for him to crush sin and set you free. Amen? I understand that's it. We're coming to this. This is awesome. Man, I love this about Jesus. Remember, he's on a white horse, faithful and true. That's Jesus. And then look at this. His eyes are like blazing fire. What an awesome sight. 
Get this picture in your head. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him no one else knows. And, he's, and he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Hello. Get this picture. Eyes blazing with passion. Coat dripping blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Don't miss this. Jesus dripping in blood, People following him, white and clean. Bloody, clean. Bloody, clean. You get the picture. Okay, because this isn't the picture you grew up seeing of Jesus in grandma's house. You know what I mean? Like you were like, oh, that's so nice. What is that? Dripping. Is that that blood? Oh, that's nice. I really like Jesus. You know, that's not the picture. You go to some of these older churches and they got pictures of Jesus, like I said, like um, feeding 5,000. Oh, oh. You know, he, he's, he's gathering the little kids. You know, imagine a coat dipped in blood. He's like, come on, children. <laughs> it's weird. What's the Bible painting? Right? Think about this. Like, you got Jesus, eyes blazing fire, coat bloody. Whose blood is it? Isn't that the question? Everyone behind him is white and clean. Why is he bloody? Why are they clean? Why are they bloody? Why are they here? Because here's the gospel portrayed that Jesus was so passionate when he saw red. When he saw sin, you separated from God. He said, I'll go. I'll die. My coat will be dripped in my blood to set you free. Are you tracking? It's the gospel. It's the most beautiful story. But understand, his goal from that forward and why he's leading this charge, because he's passionate about us following him and us being clean, or translation, being righteous. And here's the tension, because what happens is we know this story, and we'll clap and celebrate, yes, Jesus, coat dip in blood for me to set me free, but then after that, we meet Jesus, invite him into our lives, and then hijack the story to go live however the heck we want to live. We think about this, we will say things like, yeah, I'm not perfect, I might make quote unquote mistakes, but look, remember, Jesus came, died for me to forgive me. And so what happens is we'll have mistakes, right? And so we'll have sex again. What's our excuse? Well, Jesus knows I'm not perfect. Well, he'll forgive me anyway. What'll happen is you'll start, your marriage will be hanging by a thread and you'll be fighting and the fighting will be so fierce and so wild. And, and what you'll do is you go, okay, I'm just gonna end it all. And I know it's going to be embarrassment. I know my family will question. My church will question. But look, look, there's grace. Look, everyone will forget anyway. Jesus will forgive me anyway. I'm fine. And so we keep living this lifestyle of mistakes under the name of grace. When listen to me, listen to me. If you don't come back to truth, grace is just grease that allows you to do whatever the heck you want. And it's one of the scariest places to live. Because the truth is, right, is the warnings. That if you don't follow Jesus into this righteousness, if you don't have the passion for righteousness like he has, if you don't apply that into your life, listen to me, you're not following Jesus anymore. Meaning, meaning, you're not part of this picture. It's terrifying. And so what's the, what, what do we do? Because if your life is anything like mine, I live in the mistake world way too much. 
right? Where I'll, I'll yell at the kids again, right? I'll get flustered again. I'll let pride rise up again, right? I'll, I'll, I'll stumble into things again and again and again. And you just gotta go, what, what am I doing? Because I want in the picture. I want, I want heaven. I want the picture. What do I do? And that's where the third thing the Bible portrays of Jesus comes in so clear. Is that one, he's a fighter. Two, he's passionate about righteousness. But then three, he is king. He is king. And this is huge for us to get, because again, I fear that we have this image of Jesus, right? The long, blonde, flowy hair Jesus, right? We have panty waist Jesus. He's up in heaven going, oh, love me. Please love me. I'm so pathetic if you don't love me. That's not who Jesus is. He is not at the right hand of God begging for you to love him. You know what he's doing? He's ruling and reigning in this all supremacy. That's who he is. That's where if you come back to this, man, just, just read this. It says this, coming out of his mouth, again, eyes blazing fire, coat dipped in red. He's dead, dripping in his own blood to set us free. And then out of his mouth is the sharp sword, which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will tread on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the names written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Who is Jesus? Listen to me. What I can say is he's not just your friend. He's not just your buddy. He is not just your homeboy. Who Jesus is, is he is the King of Kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And he rules and reigns supremely. And until we understand that he is a king, you can never really start following him. It's a huge concept. Because what's it mean if he's king? What does it mean? It means a couple things. It means that when you die, okay, and 100% chance you'll die, okay? Thank you. That's why you came to church. You'll die, okay? But then there's going to be this moment where you see this Jesus. Eyes blazing fire, man. I mean, it's just hitting. It's ferocious. You're going, wow. Listen to me. If he's king, yet you've said stay out of my life, listen to me. He is king and fully right to condemn sin and give you the thing you always wanted, which is a life away from him in a place called hell. And I know, I know, we push back and we go, whoa, 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 that sounds mean. No, he's just giving you what you've always asked for. Jesus, stay out of my life. But if he's king and you're king, he has the authority and the power to pay for your sin and to send you off to paradise, clean, blameless. So much so that the Bible says when God looks at you, he sees the covering of Jesus as if your life was swapped with Jesus' life. This is my point that he has to be king. He has to. And so here's the question, is where it all comes down, is who is Jesus to you? 
Because listen to me, if he's not king, he can't forgive. If he's not passionate, then there is no pursuit. And if he's not a fighter, then ultimately he loses. But if he is a fighter, if he is that passionate, and he is king, then listen to me, you would be a fool not to surrender your life to a God like that. I know you might push against that and go, I don't, I don't know about all that. And listen to me, I get it. You can have questions. But what I know is that until you've given your life to Jesus, you always have to change to find something in this life to please you. And this is where it became so clear to me, um, was at the Halloween parties, where one of the craziest things happened to me, where we did these Halloween parties, right? And um, they were awesome. Um, But at our high school one, this girl, or guy, depending on what you determine, came up to me. And so I just got done preaching, right? And, I'm, and, and so um, we're having a dance party, and so there's music just like, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm doing my thing. And then this girl walks up to me about with tears in her eyes. She says, hey, Chris, I'm transgender. In that moment, look, I don't know if you've ever met someone like that. There's nothing that can prepare you for this moment. So as I stand there looking at this beautiful young woman, she says, you know, when I chose this lifestyle, everyone said, there's no hope. She said, I've been told as God hates me, God's mad at me, and I'm going to go to hell. What do you think? In that moment, listen to me, like I said, there's nothing. I mean, my mouth drops, and I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> listen to me, I about lost it. Because what I preached about that night was this big idea that God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. I remember I looked right at this girl. And I said, honey, I said, God doesn't hate you. I said, your problem is you don't know Jesus. And you're looking to all these other things to be your king. And you're having to change so much about you over and over. And I'm looking at this girl, and remember, the music is just, you know, there's not an intimate moment in this moment. And I said, but honey, you want to know why you're here? Because God has this message for you. He is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Listen to me, I don't know where you're at, but all this preaching is not to condemn you and push you down. Just to raise you up and give you a foundation. That when Jesus is your king, there's a foundation laid where you don't have to change because the world changes. You want to change because he's your king. Does that make sense? And listen to me, I don't know where you're at, but the question I want to land with is this. So who is Jesus to you? 
like I said, is incredibly personal. So I know the instinct, right, is to be like, oh, so-and-so needed this message. No, 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 I think I needed it. I think you needed it. I think you needed it. I think we needed it. Because in a room like this, there's people that have been saved for 20, 30, 40 years. At the same point, there's people going, I don't even know what I believe. But all of us come into this circle to say, who is Jesus? Because when you die, the only question will matter is, is he your king or not? And if he is, then let's live today in that victory. Does that make sense? And so if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to pray over us. Or maybe you're here and you're going, man, I don't know what I believe about Jesus. Maybe you're going here and you're going, man, I just, I want to make Jesus the king of my life. Well, here's the good news. is Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess your sin, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. You will be saved. So you think about the, the, the ramifications of that. <laughs> there's a confession, and then there's a creation. Jesus, you're king of my life. You're Lord, and you're saved. Listen to me, if that's you, here's what I want. I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Just raise your hand, it's fine. Maybe you're here and you've been a Christian your whole life, but you're going, I've never made Jesus my king. I just rinse and repeat, meaning I make mistakes, say sorry. Make mistakes, say sorry. Now's the time to nail it down. Make them your king. Let's raise your hand. Jesus, I want you to be king. Raise them. The other thing, I just want to pray over you. God, I pray for these hands. God, you say if you confess, we have sinned. God, and we make you the Lord of our lives, we're the king, God, we're saved. And so, God, we don't need a special prayer. God, you have confession here before people with hands up. And so, Jesus, we claim in your name, teach these people to be king in their life. God, for those of us who don't have our hands raised, for me, God, teach me to be the king. God, help us to live in this world with Jesus, you as our king, where we see you as passionately pursuing us and fighting the devil for us. And God, let that be our foundation to build our lives on. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Man, um, here's the thing. Is, this is, can you see me? This is bizarre. I can see you. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. <coughs> if you prayed that prayer, here's what I'd like. I want you to talk to someone about it. And I know that's crazy. That is insane. Like, you don't do that. You're like, my, pray, my faith is personal and private. Yeah, it is. But at the same point, we want to be a church. Where the church shines brightest is when we're together. It really is. Um, and so, man, we have my, some friends on my left, you're right, that would love to pray with you. Um, man, I will go down there. That's a great spot for you just to connect with some of this. Maybe um, someone who brought you, maybe it was a husband or a wife, right, where um, maybe you guys raised your hands together. Maybe it was one or the other. Man, man. Don't let this pass you by, but go home. Talk about this in the car. And talk about maybe what needs to change in your home. What needs to change in your personal life. Uh, maybe you need to say sorry. Um, I don't know what God will move you to. But what I know is that when he's king, 
you can't ever stay the same, right? And it's a good place to be. And so, man, thank you for coming, man. I love you guys. I love this church. This is so fun. Um, next week, Pastor Jeremy's going to be back. I mean, he's going to be kicking off a new thing. And so, uh, man, come back next week. Hopefully, hopefully, the construction will be done. Oh, please, God. Maybe we should pray for that again because um, it's terrible. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. Um, so, but either way, uh, man, bring someone. Bring someone. I'm telling you, uh, it's Christmas season coming up, Thanksgiving season coming up, and man, um, this is a time for us to reach in our community. Um, if they're needing, you know, family in need, sign them up for the seven families for seven days. Um, let's be the church that we can be. Amen? All right. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.